Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode 81 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with my fellow co-host today with a nice guest. Uh, Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going on, fellas? Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. Johnny, introduce yourself, man. Hello, world. Just Johnny tapping in. Yes, sir. And the guest for episode 81, special episode, uh, Core. Introduce yourself, man. Yo, dog. It's Young Core. Appreciate y'all having me on tonight, man. Big facts. Big facts. Big episode. Straight basketball. Uh, can't wait to dive into this episode with you guys. Kyrie, Johnny, and Core. It's a lot to talk about, but we're going to kind of start off with Cage first, uh, in terms of young, uh, all-stars or at least young stars that have the potential to make the all-star. We have one that will be potentially out for this entire season. Uh, I mean, Kyrie, I want to swing it to you before I swing it to, uh, Core. Just what's your thoughts about the Detroit Pistons and, uh, with K being out for the whole season, does this give them a certain lock for them to have that number one pick to draft that generational ta- talent in Victor Wembanyama, or do they need him? Uh, what's your thought process on how the Detroit Pistons should move forward uh, with K being out for the whole year? Well, one, the whole K doing out twelve games into the season really sucks. I mean, he wasn't shooting the ball the best, but he was putting up some pretty good numbers: twenty point six boards, six dimes a game, and you. Little by little, you started to see him become more comfortable and more assertive out there, which is what I really wanted to see from him after his rookie year because he seemed really passive and deferred to his teammates a little too much for me. But I get it. Being the type of playmaker that he is, he kind of has to do that. But uh, it, it just sucks for the Detroit Pistons because um, they got a bunch of young guys that we're all looking forward to watching develop and play together, Jalen Duran. Um, Killian Hayes, who's been really stepping up in the absence of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, their first, their uh, their first pick from this past year's draft. So, uh, it just sucks not being able to see all those young guys because we knew the Pistons aren't going to be good. But as for Pistons fans and guys that are just fans of the NBA in general, I feel like a lot of us were looking forward to see how that young nucleus, um, coexists with each other and grow with each other, especially under a coach like Dwayne Casey, who we've seen. Uh, be able to develop players and and uh help players reach their highest potential back when he was in Toronto. But um, as far as like their future with him being out, I definitely think this locks them in for a top two pick. Um, whether it be uh Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson out of the uh, G League Ignite, I think uh I think Pistons fans are happy about it. Not so much so that. It's coming from or they had to sacrifice last year's first overall pick to to be able to get into the spot for Vic. But um I think it's good for them. I, I don't like I said, I don't think anybody expected Detroit to be good anyway. So uh for them to have, kinda have another season under their belt where the young guys are going, Killian Hayes is learning and growing. Um we don't know what they're gonna do with Sadiq Bay. Uh I think they might try to try to find a trade target to him and kind of restructure this roster to perfection for Cade when he comes back and he's ready to able he's ready to play basketball and he has the he has the perfect pieces around him. So uh yeah, it'll be a close eye on him cuz uh where they're expected they're expected to have the first overall pick and Victor's been the most hyped up prospect we've had since LeBron. Right. So uh yeah, I I think the I think the Detroit Pistons have a lot to look forward to that's positive even though Cade Cunningham going down this early in the season is very negative for them. But um I I think they have, I think they have something to look forward to. That sounds good. Sounds good in my opinion. Core, let me ask you. Uh you're the you're the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. Uh you lose your, your best young player, he's out for the whole season. Uh what's the plan moving forward for this season and what are you looking to make what are you looking to get out of this season? Bro, obviously you go into the season without any high expectations. No one is expecting you to be good. But a thing about the Pistons we can say, even dating back to last year, they're a team that they come out and compete no matter who they're playing against, uh, no matter the odds. They won't win you a ton of games, but they won't fold. They'll they'll compete. They'll play hard all throughout the games. Obviously, it sucks to lose the the guy you're viewing as the cornerstone of your franchise, a guy who developed and was averaging just about 20.6 and 6. 
but at the same time, I feel like you can take this and turn it into a positive because you're putting yourself in position to establish a top two pick and potentially put yourself in the Victor uh, sweepstakes. But at the same time, you have a nucleus of young guys who can take this time and take the season to grow. Me personally, I'm not like a big fan of Killian Hayes, but I'll give flowers where flowers are due. He's really stepped up since Kate has been out. And even if he's not a part of their future plans, he's building up trade value from him, for himself. And then a young rookie they got in Jaden Ivey, he's really been playing solid where he's in conversation for rookie of the year, putting up 15-4-4. Four four. So he's showcasing that he can score on the ball, score uh, without the ball, and also create for others while playing stellar defense. He had, uh, I believe it was last night, stellar block on the defensive end, bro. Just ripped the ball out of the sky, man. And then you have guys like Sadiq Bey who he he looks like he's further ahead of all the young guys on the team. And I feel like they have a decision to make on if they want to keep him, extend him, or possibly look to trade him. If I'm a GM, I will possibly look to trade him because you could put yourself in that echelon where you have young guys, but you also have some veterans that can help you compete like they have with uh with Bidanovich. So if you trade uh, Sadiq Bey to, like, a contending team, you'll be able to get some valuable players back for that. So I feel like the Pistons, although they lost their best player, they can still walk away with positive thoughts uh, for this season. All right, that sounds pretty good. I'm not going to lie. At one key point I want to swing on Johnny that Cora made. He talked about uh, Killian Hayes. Uh, so far, Kyrie, correct me if I'm wrong, he was drafted in 2020 or was it 2021? Or was he 2019? I love him draft, so that's, uh, that's 2020. I, I think he was the 2020 pick in the draft. So, Johnny. Yeah. I think uh, he was pick seven. He picked seven, pick seven, right. So, Johnny, this is for you. So, uh, Core, Core had mentioned out that Cade is down, but this is an opportunity for a lot of the other players to step up. Some guys competing for long-term contracts or at least looking for at least a stable contract. Uh, what are you looking forward to if you're the head coach of the Detroit Pistons? Uh, who are you looking for and who you expect to see to take this stuff, to take this next step, to take the opportunity since Kate is out for the Detroit Pistons? Killian Hayes, Hamadou Diallo, is it Marvin Bagley? Are we looking at Isaiah Stewart? Uh, who are we looking at to make that jump? Uh, Killian Hayes, guys. Killian Hayes, that's my favorite since, uh, the Kate Cunningham injury's been down. Um, uh, he's this kid, this kid, he's blossomed. Um, he's had a, he's not a rookie, but he's had a tough first two seasons in the NBA, but he's at this point, um, what were we at? 16, 17 games now. He's about what? About almost seven assists, six points. Go ahead. About, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, sorry about that, brother. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, he's about at, uh, Killian Hayes. He's about at about one steal a game, about 6.6 assists, 11 points, shooting about almost 40%. And, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's coming along. He's coming along nicely. So at this point, other than him, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay, um, like the aforementioned names, I, I feel like as a, I'm okay. I'm okay significantly with seeing who can step up, not just Killian Hayes or Sadiq Bay, who else can step up, but more so I'm okay with the type of injury. Um, it's a stress, it's a stress fracture in his shin. Um, that's, um, from what I looked at injury up, it's, it's not as common, but he'll, he's fine. He'll come back with the, he'll come back with the full recovery. Um, like you said, we don't, like, like it was said before, the Pistons aren't expected to win much, but they are expected to compete. And I think that's where you get to see who else you have other than that. But in the, in the midst of Kate Cunningham's injury, I think he'll be fine. I mean, the normal significant rest time for this is just four to 12 weeks and the doctors just say, just stay off of it. Um, it, it can, it, I mean, I'm just pretty sure he just stopped and started the wrong way or just jumped too high or whatever it was. But at the, the main point is he's, he'll come back with full recovery. I don't want this to be his stigma though. He's very young and you know how the NBA is. You know how the media is. Once a player gets hurt once or twice, that's their stigma for their career. So at the end of the day, I hope he doesn't have to deal with that because I do like the Detroit Pistons future. But at the end of the day, I think this kid will be fine. No, I think he'll be fine as well, in my opinion. I just feel like he's a minor setback, uh, you know, for a bigger, um, for a bigger opportunity for him. And I feel like this is a chance for him to observe the game from the sidelines. Uh, I think as athletes, 
uh, they tend, you know, you get so caught in the moment that sometimes when you get injured, it's almost a chance for you to be a student of the game as well. You start to learn a little bit of nuances, certain player habits that they do on the court. So I think this is a learning experience for them, too, to bounce back from this. Corey, I want to swing it to you. Uh, this is it also we transition to the next topic. This is about the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Lakers, uh, this season to say they've been pretty disappointing, uh, is an understatement. Uh, I don't think anyone expected the Lakers to be this bad. Uh, I don't know if anyone else had them, obviously championship aspirations, but no one expected them to be this bad. Uh, since December has rolled around, cause this is at the time of December, they beat the Bucks. On December the 2nd, they beat the Wizards December the 4th. They lost to the Cavs, then they lost to the Toronto, then they lost to the Sixers. Then they won against Detroit, albeit against, uh, without Cade Cunningham. Uh, just what's your thoughts about the Lakers and what's the projection for the season so far in your opinion? Hey, bro, before I even advance, I just want to back, backtrack a little bit. Go ahead. Um, bro, me personally, this, this isn't, the the way their season started, it's not disappointing to me, bro. Like I I don't think that mm-hmm. roster is good at all. Even dating back to last season when they first made the Westbrook trade, right. I I said to myself, it, it's not going to work. And I I, I want to say, let's stop not not you guys, but just basketball media in general. Let's stop pinning the blame on Russell Westbrook. Let's stop using him as a scapegoat. Russell Westbrook, he is he a part of the problem? Correct. But mm-hmm. it's not all him. That roster is constructed terribly. LeBron James is part of the problem. Anthony Davis is a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Coaching is a part of the problem. Role players is a part of the problem. Stop pinning all the emphasis on Russell Westbrook. But okay. now that I backtrack, I do want to look at the positives. Whenever you're going into a season with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, especially LeBron, who's arguably the greatest player of all time, you you should have championship aspirations. But sadly, they just don't. They started the season off slow. What were they like? One and eight or something yeah, like that? They were one and eight to begin the season. They were one and eight. Yeah, they started the season off so slow, but recently they picked it up and you, you have to give credit where credit's due. The minute Russell Westbrook went to the bench, it's like a flip just switched in him. That's a much better role for him. He's uh you know, he, he he's still not shooting the three ball good. I believe he's shooting at twenty nine percent right now. Yeah. But look at his numbers in total. They're pretty solid. He's averaging 14, uh, five, five rebounds and just about seven assists. So he's being productive in the minutes that he's getting off of the bench. But the, this team is going to go as far as LeBron James and Anthony Davis takes them. And you have to give a lot of credit to Anthony Davis. You know, he's another person who he, he gets, he gets a lot of hate in the media because of his injuries. Because sometimes, you know, he comes out and he doesn't play like the Anthony Davis that we know he can play like. But he took that criticism and he really turned it around. Just dating back to November 2nd, his stats line has been, yeah, 25 25 and 13, 27 and 12, 44 and 10, 55 and 17. Then he missed two games because of the flu. And after those two games, he came back and had 31 and 12. Then he had 34 and 15 and 7. So you can see that he's taking this and he's using it as motivation and fuel because, you know, these guys want to win. They know what it's like to to win a championship. And I think Anthony Davis is finally starting to realize that LeBron James is is growing older and that this is his team now. He's the best player on the team. So I feel like uh, I feel like if they stay healthy, I see them being a play in team. But I cannot guarantee you how far I think they will go in the playoffs. And they still have moves that can be made. You know, you still have uh, Russell Westbrook, who I'm pretty sure has trade value because he's playing better. Also, he's on an expiring deal. You have guys like Patrick Beverly, where he's not the greatest player, but he's a energy guy. He's a scrapper. He's a defender. Every every team needs that. So you never know. A contending team in the East might call them up and want something like uh, Patrick Beverly. And they still have those two first-round draft picks. Those are like the most coveted picks in the NBA right now because nobody knows what the future Lakers hold, especially with LeBron James aging. But uh, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting to say the least to think about the things they can do in the uh, trade deadline. But those are my thoughts on the Lakers, man. You made some great points. Another, uh, I want to swing it to Kyrie. You, uh, a couple of things Corey had said about uh, was that they have great pieces in terms of a draft picks. and No one knows what LeBron 
agent has in store for him or what LeBron has in store for himself. So I think the Lakers are in a position where they really can't retreat and just say, okay, let's just tank because you got certain players on there that won't probably allow it. Plus, they're in a position of you tank, you don't benefit from it. Another team benefits, that's the Pelicans. And they'll possibly have two generational talents on their team, uh, which would definitely be overkill. Uh, Kyrie, in your opinion, what do you think the Lakers need to do in terms of if they were going to make moves before the trade deadline, like Cora pointed out, what do you think they should be looking for and who should they get? Um, I don't really have any names in my mind at the very moment, but I will tell you what kind of assets that they do need to improve their quality of a team. One, when we think back to the Lakers that won the 2020 NBA champion, it was 2020, right? 2020, yeah, yeah the 2020, 2020 NBA champion. 2020, 2020. The bubble. When they won, the Lakers had a, had a set identity. And what their identity was, outside of just having two of the best players on the planet, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they were the best defensive, if not one of the best, if not the best defensive teams in basketball at that point. True. And every night, that defense that they had, those guys being able to get into the lanes, guys being able to block shots, those ignited fast break opportunities and allowed the the Lakers to play at a fast pace and control the game from the standpoint of, hey, you're going to play the game at the pace that we want to play it at. We're not playing to your your guys' pace. And that was the formula that they had for that championship team that worked so well for them, and that's why they were able to win the championship. And we've seen it directly the year after. Once that defense fell off, the Lakers as a whole team fell off. So I think if it were to come to the Lakers making moves now before the trade deadline in February, they need to address their uh, their, uh, their weak center position, in my opinion. You need a guy next to Anthony Davis that can go to war, that can rebound, and, that's, and that can be an opposing force in the paint on both sides of the floor. They simply don't have that. I mean, I'll always like Thomas Bryant, but he's just not that guy for them right now. Uh, Damian Jones is, pure, is, I'm sorry, he's garbage. And Wenya Gabriel, he he doesn't get a lot of minutes, and his his skill set is very limited as to what he's able to do. And granted, they've been giving him more minutes this this past season than what they have in the past. Uh, in the past, but still not giving you everything that you need from a big man next to Anthony Davis or backing up Anthony Davis. So I think that's the first thing that needs to be addressed. They need a defensive anchor or somebody that's imposing enough to limit other teams' fast break opportunities and limit other teams uh, just simply being able to score at will. Second, the Lakers should need to, I guess, zone in on a, on a pure point guard because they don't have that on their roster either. Mm. Remember from when they won the championship, Ray John Rondo was that guy for them. Ray John Rondo was the pace setter for him, the guy that set everything up. When he would come in off the bench, the Lakers mm-hmm. seemed like they, they seemed better than what they were with their starters at some, certain points. And that's because you had a guy like Rajon Rondo that could take the ball out of LeBron's hands and set people up and make the guys around him better, make bench guys around him better, make make, make sure your, uh, your spot of shooters are in the correct spot, make sure your big men are getting rewarded for running the floor. They need a guy like that. And I just, I, I, again, going back to the pieces, I don't know what exactly they'd be able to give up of value that can help them get something that, that big. I mean, Russell, Corb mentioned Russell Westbrook. Yeah, definitely. Russell Westbrook, he he went to the bench and he started playing well. That definitely ups his value. But he still has a huge contract that another team normally has to take on. You have to kind of, at that point, kind of have to sell Russell Westbrook to other, to other teams to get what you want back. The only other big pieces I see them having are guys that, I, if I'm the Lakers GM, I'm not giving up. And that's Lonnie Walker. Who's putting? He's having a career year right now, putting about, up about 16 points a game. He's, I believe, one the the best three point shooter at 39. percent And Austin Reeves, who's really stepped up this past season, this season as well. He was a, a rookie that everybody loved last year, but towards the end of the season, didn't get a lot of playing time. You know, the Lakers had a whole bunch of vets, but now he's getting the the, the chance to show that he can shoot the ball, to show that he can distribute and run with guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis in different rotations. So outside of them, though. I don't really see them have a lot of pieces. A lot of pieces. They downgraded the value of Kendrick Nunn. Um, Lonzo Scotto Anderson was, a, I feel like, it was a big piece coming from Golden State in the in the preseason, but he hasn't really shown much due to being out with injury and stuff like that. So, the Lakers, in my opinion, are kind of stuck where they are, unless they're 
Straight, straight up, they, they're, they're going to have to fleece the team to give them some stuff that's better than what they're able to give back. All right. That's true. That's a great in-depth analysis on the Lakers. Uh, Johnny, I want to swing it to you now. Uh, what is the Lakers' future, let's say, not only in terms of this season, let's say five years from now, what, what's their future looking like? What, what is the future for the Los Angeles Lakers? Are they a competitive team for the next five years, or their team muddling through the waters trying to fight for the play-in or just fight for a playoff spot? Because I don't believe Brown will stay there for another five years, at least in my opinion. I don't either. Um, and in my opinion, in the next five years, um, they, they, they'd be better off rebuilding now to see if they have some hope in the next five years. Um, I agree with the before mentioned comment. They are pretty much stuck. Like as far as um this season, um, well, first of all, even last year they were like horrible in three point shooting, and they just never improved on that. But that, not just that, but they didn't improve on a lot of things, and um. I think that they are in trouble for the near future. Um, but in terms of this season, I kind of – it's a roster problem with me. Well, as far as with them, that's my opinion. The way I see it with them, it's a roster problem. That's very surprising. Um, if you look at LeBron's history, this is probably like – like I don't, well, maybe he – I'll give him credit. He was respectively younger, but it does seem – he does seem ageless. But it, this is the first team I've seen him on where he hasn't been – the, the the roster hasn't – he usually – it seems like he takes over the roster, not as far as, like, the players, but in terms of, like, has a say in who he wants or who he feels like fits the system better. I believe he was in the Lakers organization this past summer uh, in, in, in roster talks of who he think could be added to the team. And to my surprise, they've done nothing. And, uh, um, they're looking at free agency right now to save their season for a possible play-in tournament. I mean, you've got, and at the end of the day, it's not, I want to say it's kind of the front office's fault, but halfway, it's kind of not. I mean, me personally, it's a couple of players I personally have a problem with on this roster that I feel like, like, what happened, like, to the hype? Like, Dennis Schroeder, for once, for, for one, he's about playing about 26 minutes a game, and he's only giving you about, what, eight points, almost nine points a game, and, like, I, uh, where are we at? Uh, about maybe four assists, almost. You got Kendrick Nunn, who's been an ultimate disappointment. I want to actually piggyback on that before I mention a uh, name on him. But he, he's been such a disappointment. Like, not even six points a game. He's playing about 13 minutes, if he can even earn that. Shooting almost 36%, maybe. This kid has been a huge disappointment. And respectively, he was supposed to be that point guard that we were talking about. Like, that, not, not that Rajon Rondo, but he was supposed to be that point guard. For the Lakers, especially given the showing that he played, I think when he come from Minnesota, I believe, and what, um, I really was a fan of this of this kid. And and the, the, I'm sorry, Miami. That's where he came from. Um, I was a fan of him personally, and the fact that he just didn't take that leap that's that's hugely disappointing. Lonnie Walker, he's he, he's doing what he can, but at the end of the day, um, it's it's a roster problem. Um, you got Austin Reeves is a bright spot. Um, ugh. Max Christie, not really. Well, Pet Bev, Russ. Yeah, this is a roster problem. It's a roster problem. That's very surprising considering the, a team that LeBron is on. He usually makes sure the roster is good enough for him to work with. Um, they're, as, as far as stats, I don't even want to get into the stats, but they're, they're having a horrible road trip. Um, I think they barely, uh, you know, shout out to my Sixers, but at the end of the day, um, that Pistons game, my goodness, that was, that was ugly. Um, it, uh, I don't, I don't know what, in the next five years, Colin, to answer your question, I feel like they aren't good enough to compete, but at at the end of the day, they're also not bad enough to like, I guess, necessarily tank. Um, this is a bad look for the Lakers right now. And I I do agree with the notion to take the blame off of Russell Westbrook, because I think this is an overall roster situation. Uh, I just want to jump in real quick before we move on. Absolutely. Uh, when you when you were saying like you've never seen like a roster this bad like LeBron somewhat has oversight over the roster the reason why I think like that's a problem for them right now is because the Lakers management know yo we might not have LeBron James for these draft picks so uh, do we want to be that team where it's like when LeBron first left Cleveland where we just lost a generational talent and 
we have no draft picks to show for. We're going to be one of the worst teams in the league with nothing to get us out of this dump. So I think that's something in their in the back of their mind because you know the Lakers they there would never an organization you know to go out and draft like superstars or turn players into develop players into stars. They've always turned to free agency for their signings. So I think they yeah. know eventually they might not be a big free agent destination like they were a couple years ago. Okay. And that's crazy too. That that's crazy because everybody always wants to play in LA, right? That was that was the stigma. LA, New York, the winning everybody wanted to go there. Now it's not so much. Yeah, you can't you can't just sell your city and your market to winning championships and signing for agents. And I just want to jump back one more time before we move on to what uh Kyrie was saying. Sure, go ahead. Like when he was saying uh when Kyrie was saying he's not sure like anyone that they could target um not saying like this this is a guarantee I don't know if they're looking to trade him or what but a guy I think that could help the Lakers right now if they was to pursue maybe trading Russell Westbrook he does have a big contract but at the same time the thing about his contract that is appealing to uh bad teams is that it's expiring so you know those bad teams that are rebuilding will often take an expiring deal in order to you know get that maybe extra draft pick or so. But a player, I, if I was them, I would look at would be Kelly Oubre. Um, Kelly Oubre, where if they trade for him and it doesn't work out, he's a free agent at the end of the season. So they're not taking on a dramatic amount of salary. And he's been he's been really one of the most underrated players in the league for the Hornets this year. He's averaging 25 rebounds, and he's shooting uh, 31% from the three-point line. That three three point shooting is something the Lakers don't have, something that they they lack and they need it desperately. So why not maybe try to roll a dice on something like that? It doesn't have to be a all star or a superstar, man. You could just trade for quality role players that could really help LeBron and AD. And honestly, that's I would low key possibly getting Mo Bamba from the from the uh, Orlando Magic again. There was talks about them trying to get him a free agency this year, and they shocked a lot of people and stayed in Orlando. Kyrie, I like that because Bobo has been playing so well for the Magic. Like, Bobo has been playing so well. He's playing like how Muhammad should be. But apparently, he's not that Moe's barely even getting minutes because of the ascension of Bobo. And Wendell Wendell Carter's playing good, too. Exactly. Yeah. Baker playing like the number one pick, as the number one pick should be playing. The 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 Magic have like three guys who can play the who can play the five. If you want to throw Paolo at small ball five in certain lineups, you can. So I think Mo's the odd man out. He's time for him to kick rocks. I think he should come <laughs> over to us. We should have. <laughs> Let's go. But at the end of the day, if you can't sell, if you can't sell the Lakers, hopefully you can still sell LeBron, and they might still like well, I said, survive in free agency. Yeah, I'll be able to make a case for the play in. I don't even think he'd be interested with the Lakers. What the Lakers got for him that the Sixers don't have? He got everything. I going. tell you what. I tell you what. That Kelly Oubre name drop, excellent. Um, I mentioned him for a six man dark horse if the Hornets weren't so darn bad. I did too. The record. I liked him, bro. If he just won't so get the recognition because their record. Yeah, seriously. And, and at the end of the day, three point shooting, you ain't lying. Austin Reeves, thirty three percent. Lonnie Walker, twenty nine percent. Patrick Beverly, don't even speak on that. Chris Nunn, AD. Like, yeah, they need three-point shooting. Bro, at a point in time, AD was shooting like 15% from three this year. And then Russell Westbrook, he's shooting about 28% from three. Well, AD jumped up to 27. So, I mean, I guess you got you to gotta go nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> hey, like, like what, what did Patrick Beverly say uh, when he was like, well, we made five tonight? That's improvement. <laughs> That's improvement. <laughs> I'm crying. All right. All right, but that that was a great transition, Corey. We're gonna transition from that. We're gonna basically transition to the to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. Uh from the start of December, they've been basically three two. Uh they lost to the Phoenix. No, they lost to Golden State the first game of December. They lost the Sacramento Kings following the Golden State. They beat the Washington Wizards. Uh then they beat the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, behind the Rose in his 28. Then they lost to the Hawks just recently on December the 11th. Uh, just talk to me. The Bulls are 11 to 5. Uh, Kobe, uh, Lonzo Ball's been hurt, but he, he's been back the past two games. I think the past couple of games. Just what's going on with the Bulls? Uh, Kyrie, I want to swing it to you, not swing it to Core. 
just give me your thoughts on the Chicago Bulls and and and, and what's going on with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Patrick Williams, Nokalage. You know, they had a nice squad. Uh, it had a lot of potential coming into this season, a lot of expectations. It just hasn't been uh, going through. Yeah, I definitely, like in the offseason, even last season, I, de- I definitely looked at this Bulls squad and thought to myself, hey, I think they have a really good roster. But um, I think the key to it kind of fall of a, falling apart this year has definitely been Lonzo Ball missing the season so far. And the main reason of that is because Lonzo Ball was the perfect blend of being able to get other guys involved being able to get his own bucket when need be with certain guys on the floor. When DeMar, say DeMar's not on the floor, when Zach Levine's not on the floor, he can still get you a good 16 points a game. And his defensive ability on, his defensive ability on the perimeter and being able to guard the other team's best point guards night in and night out, night out. That job is, is, I shouldn't just say point guard, the other team's best perimeter player in general, because that, that job is pretty much left to DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who are historically turnstiles on the defensive end. So I think that's been one of the, the main reasons. And when you have your two main scorers, at least from the way I see it, when you have your two main scorers being attacked on the defensive end night in and night out, it kind of gets hard for them to will a team to win just by, their being, by them being able to score. DeMar DeRozan getting 26 points a game and Zach Levine getting his 24, 25 points a game is fine and dandy. But you don't have the guys behind you when you don't have the the supporting cast around you to kind of do to do that dirty work to do the little stuff on the court that really matters which Lonzo Ball did it kind of hurts you and I want to transition into their development because Patrick Williams has been in the league this is third year in the season third year in the league now really his second because he missed his sophomore year with I want to say with a wrist injury or something like that but he came back, but he doesn't seem like he's progressing whatsoever. He's still averaging nine points and five four boards a game, which is what he put up his rookie season, where he had more opportunity. And I just feel like they they lost a lot of trust in him. They're pretty much they have him out there just setting screens and and, and defending. And he whenever I watch the Bulls play, he doesn't seem involved in the Bulls offense whatsoever. And I feel like that kind of unmotivate someone defensive end on when it comes to rebounding, when it comes to doing that little stuff. That This team just doesn't seem super motivated to me. And I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they lack the necessary talent to do so because again, you have, you have DeMar DeRozan, you have Zach Levine. Nikola Vucevic is good in certain aspects, but he is what he is at this point. He's going to give you his 15, his 16 points a game with 10 rebounds, but we know he's a defensive liability. So there's you have your two main players on the on the perimeter defensive liabilities and your main big man down loads of defensive liability. Your teams want to get scored on all damn night, and they just haven't been able they just haven't been able to to stop the nosebleeds when teams go on runs. They they're not able to stop it. And then when you go to their bench, you have guys like Iowa Dasuma, who I really thought since Lonzo Ball went down would really be a main integral part of the Bulls kind of stay afloat without him. He's had some good games this season. He's shown some flashes this season, but they haven't consistently given him the keys to the offense and allow him to grow. Um, same thing with uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Alex, Car- I'm sorry, Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso goes out there, he defends, but he lacking certain lacking certain things, or he's not giving the green light in certain situations where. You kind of have to take the ball out of Zach Levine's hands. You got to take the ball out of DeMar DeRozan's hands and let other guys help you win. And they just simply don't have that right now. But one thing that's good about the Bulls, to me, in my opinion, is I do think they have some assets that other teams would be very, very interested in. Um, the main one being DeMar DeRozan, I think, has a has a really good contract. And a lot of competing teams would have loved to have added a, a, a guy like that that could probably be your second scorer to your star player. Jack Levine's been in a lot of trade talks as well. Um, my Knicks actually have, from reports that I'm seeing, have actually like ta- been knocking on the door, talking to the Bulls about possible uh, trade situations. But I say this all to say that I don't think the Bulls are in a position like the Lakers that like we were just talking about where they're stuck. I think they have the talent on their team to, once, especially once they get Lonzo Ball back, 
to kind of get back on track and make their name make their names heard in the East because they I didn't I didn't see them being bottom at the what, what are they eleventh twelfth right now I didn't see them I didn't see them being this low they're eleven uh, eleven yes but I definitely think it's them struggling without having Lonzo Ball there being their glue guy kind of bringing everybody together which right. which we seen last season right. Uh no, you made some fair points, and I want to swing it to court. Um, with the Chicago Bulls, uh, I see. I look at some of the young talent uh, combined with the talent that they have already in terms of the prospect, like Dave, Dale and Terry, I believe from Arizona. He just got picked up, and I believe Io. I have Dale, a hard Dale, time. Thing though, you would think he he'd be getting minutes, right? He should be getting more minutes, but I just see he's not. You know, maybe it's a chance for him to expand. You know. I mean, they're not winning, so let's make him go through the growing pains and throw him in the fire, and let's see what he can do and what he can't do. Uh, that's the that's the Bulls' problem having that that stale offense where the ball isn't moving around enough and it gets stuck in Zach Levine's hands or, De, or Demar Derozan's hands with six seconds left on the clock, and they kind of they have to make things work, you know. They play hero ball to a certain extent. Uh, they're not both the best facilitators in the league. Uh, but Zach is a willing passer, so is Demar, but they're not like your your key facilitators in the offense. Um, Corday, uh, I want to swing it to you, Cord. Uh, basically for the Bulls, what can they do to basically turn this around, or what's the potential for this team uh for the rest of the season going forward? Uh, what's your expectation Bro, for the Chicago Bulls this season? Me personally, even dating back to last year when they first got together, I liked the roster that that they put together, but I do believe, uh, to back what Kyrie was saying, I do believe they're stuck, not stuck like the Lakers. The reason why I, why I think they're stuck, I think they're stuck in mediocrity. They have a roster that, for Bulls fans, they've had a lot of dark years the past couple of years since losing D-Rose and Jimmy and all that, so they're probably happy with just being relevant, but that relevancy isn't going to win them a title. They're a team that is compete to make the playoffs, and potentially, potentially, depending on seeding, get out of the first round. But that's about it. Um, a lot of their problems is because they don't have Lonzo Ball. When last year when Lonzo Ball played, we saw how impactful he was for them, not only offensively but defensively. Like Kyrie was saying, he'll guard the other team's best perimeter player, and he'll play stellar defense. I remember it was a game last season where – they, they beat Brooklyn. He locked down James Harden, locked down Kyrie Irving, and then wound up hitting a big shot to seal them the game. So he's a guy where he could create his own shot. He could create shots for others. He could play off the ball. And I feel like Lonzo Ball does not get enough credit for becoming an improved player, where in the beginning of his career, his his jump shot didn't translate. He was shooting like 20% from three. He he renovated his whole his whole jump shot now where he's a – He's viewed as a 3 and D. He's a 40% shooter from the three-point line. So when you're missing that, that hurts a lot. And it's not like they went out and replaced him. They have no true guard on the floor. No one who can set up the offense. No one who can facilitate for others. DeRozan and Levine are willing passers. But they're not the type of guys who will go out there and look to orchestrate offense for others, you know? they they, they Their problem is, like you guys were saying, they play a lot of hero ball. It's a lot of here, Levine, it's your turn. Here, DeMar, it's your turn. Uh, Vooch hasn't touched the ball in a while. Let's get him a touch on the block. And you know where that comes from? Billy Donovan. When Billy Donovan first started in OKC when he had Westbrook and Durant, that was their problem. A lot of a lot of isol and hero ball, not enough ball movement. So that just goes to show Billy Donovan, not saying he's a bad coach, but he hasn't developed his ways since being in the NBA. Um but I just don't think that these guys are a fit together, really, man. Because although, you know, Zach, he had a big surgery in the offseason on his knee. So I'm not too sure if he's recovered from that. But it's, it's just like these guys don't fit each other, man. Vukovic this year, Vukovic this year has a negative plus minus. His, his plus minus is five, uh, negative five. And then DeRozan plus minus is negative uh, 30, 36. These guys just aren't gelling together, man. I definitely feel that, core. I think Colin had uh, fell out of the chat. So, John, we're going to swing it to you, bro. What's your thoughts on the Bulls and their struggles right now? 
And how do you think they yeah. can uh they can they can uh, turn it around? Yeah, um, like I said, well, well, like you guys said, um, they are stuck, but they're not as stuck as the Lakers. I will agree because they're a little bit younger. But I will say my concerns are the same as you guys, mainly on defense. But I will mention this, um, real quick, uh, real quick stat. Last year, um, when Alonzo Ball was playing, the Bulls had a record of twenty-two and thirteen. When he was hurt, they were first 20, in the East. They were twenty-two and thirteen when he was when he was healthy. When he was hurt, twenty-four and twenty-three. So to add to your point, that's how bad they miss him there. 24 and 23 and counting so far without Lonzo Ball. They need him badly. And I actually did not – I thought they – on paper, I thought they had sustainable players um, even without Ball. Um, Well, honestly, personally, me personally, I thought he'd be back within a reasonable time. That knee injury really is a thing. Um, I remember earlier in the summer um, they were scaling back his um, his estimated time. Because it was more work or whatever had to be done with his knee, it wasn't all over together. So I'm like, oh, wow. And that was like in the summertime. So I'm like, well, this, we'll see how the Bulls do. You know, still got DeMar, still got Zags. They re-signed, um, uh, they re-signed Zach, still got DeMar, still got, um, I forgot the up, the up and coming player. He was a rookie last year. He's a very good acquisition. I forgot his name. Um, yes, 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 absolutely. Um, so I thought like bits and pieces there. Um, and considering the coaching, they would be okay for the most part. This is very, this is very surprising. Um, very, very bad. Uh, mainly on defense. Like I said, uh, main, uh, I was watching the, the Atlanta Hawks game. Like it's, it's bad, bad. I know Nikola Bucevic wasn't, he's not known for defense, but that tip in with 0.5 seconds by Josh Johnson over him, that was just like horrible execution defensively by the Bulls. You rarely see that. Um, just, just a testament to, how they are as a season so far, mainly on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I have no really issues with them. I mean, everybody's doing – everybody who's supposed to be doing something is doing something. Um, um, and at an okay rate. I mean, you got DeMar DeRozan, five assists a game. He's trying – Zach Levine, four assists a game. He's trying to get the, the, the team involved. But at the, at, at the end of the day, they got to do what they got to do. He's at, DeMar's got 26 a game. Zach Levine, 20, 21, 22 a game. Vujovic, 16 a game. Uh, Dosimo, 10 points a game. He's giving you about, about, uh, th- three assists, almost four boards. They're doing what they can offensively. That's not my issue with that. So I expect that. It's just, man, I'm telling you, defensively, I didn't know Alonzo Ball was this good of a defensive player. I think he was ranked 111th last year, earlier in the season among his position at defending or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, his, um, no, I'm sorry, not 111. He was ranked, um, in the, in the middle tier as far as defensive guards at his position. The Bulls were actually averaging 11 points per game last year, ranking 21st in his, in his absence. So his presence on the floor is badly needed. These guys are struggling. I didn't expect this on paper, but I do feel like they can turn it around. It depends on ball. Uh, just, just piggybacking off of what you said a little bit. Um, I've, I've always liked the defensive ability of Lonzo Ball. Like me personally, when I hear perimeter guards who play defense, he's one of the first like five guys that come to mind for me. Like I'd only think like Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart, Ben Simmons. And then for me, it's like a, a guy like Lonzo Ball, but I also, DeJounte. Say, yeah, DeJounte Murray. I like Murray. I also do want to say, though, the thing with the Bulls, man, it's like, it's weird because last year they were a team where they were in the upper echelon of offense. And for a little bit of this year, they were in the lower tier of offense and a higher tier of defense. Obviously, they haven't sustained that because they've been really bad recently defensively. And like you was talking about the tip and against the Hawks the other night, bro, you have bad defenders who try. But Vooch, bro, it's like he, he doesn't even try out there, bro. Like, it, it's inexcusable Whoa. to not even contest that uh, tip in late in the game, Whoa. man. Like, it's follow like, him, if anything. Follow him. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you have to, follow him, bro. Force him to make two free throws. But, like Colin asked earlier, where you see them finishing in the East, they're 11 right now. Bro, it's, bro they have – I'm looking at their upcoming games. They have some pretty tough games coming up, man. They have two against the Knicks where the Knicks, they've been playing a lot better recently. The, the Knicks are a team that – 
no matter what, they're another team that also competes. They have the Knicks. They have the Timberwolves coming up. They have Miami coming up. They have the Hawks again. They have the Bucks. They have Cleveland twice. They have the Sixers. They have Brooklyn. They have Boston twice. So this, this although it's very early in the season, that's going to be a stretch where it, it can honestly make or break their season, depending on how, how they fare in those couple of tough games they have coming up in this month alone. All right, some great points, some great points on, on that end in terms of the Bulls. The Eastern Conference looked uh, pretty tough from one to five. You had to make a list. But outside that fifth spot, it's just pretty much a toss-up for everyone. And speaking on the Eastern Conference, we're going to kind of stick on the Eastern Conference. We're going to talk about the Miami Heat. Man, uh, the Heat. Uh, I ain't feeling the Heat, Corey. You feeling the Heat? I, I, I ain't been feeling the Heat. <sighs> I haven't. I've haven't, been feeling pretty cold lately. I ain't feeling the heat. I, I, I haven't, but they're a team where as long as they have Eric Spolstra and that system there come playoff time, they'll be a team that's ready to compete. That's but you, you, you can see the flaws the, the, the flaws in Miami right now. Um, Some of it, I think, is fixable. Um, I think what they're lacking is Kyle Lowry, Kyle he's getting older, man. He's been playing. He's been playing relatively well recently, but he just doesn't have that explosion, that burst, or that pop that he had a couple years ago, which is expected when you're an aging guard. But I, th- I think their main problem is they lost PJ Tucker and they they haven't replaced him. Um, there was there's talks about them uh, discussing bringing back Jay Crowder, but a guy like PJ Tucker where his impact doesn't show in the box sheet, but once you realize he's not on the court, it shows. And it is really shown for Miami, man. Um, me personally, I don't have much to say about him because I think with a trade or two, they can get back to being in that upper echelon in the East. But that, that P.J. Tucker loss was big for them. And they, they have to dunk Duncan Robinson. It's like you paid this guy $72 million and – he barely touches the court sometimes, bro. Like that that's a problem. He got mil, bro. Say that again? I said he got ninety mil. Ninety? Man, I man, he's he finessed up for a bag. So I I underestimated his contract. Guy with underestimated contract. <laughs> I underestimated his contract. The man has a bag, but that's that's uh, all I really have to say about Miami. I think a move or two could put them right back into the top of the East contention. I agree. Yeah, I'm going oh, to make it quick. I'm going to get back off of court because uh, he, he made the, one of the main points that I was trying to make was you're paying this man, Duncan Robinson, 90 mil a year to average five points a game, and he just completely fell off as a shooter. So much so that we've we seen it last year. Max Schroes took his spot. Max Schroes literally came in and took his spot, and he could do a lot more things than Duncan <laughs> Robinson can. Max Schroes isn't a great defender, but he tries at least. Max Schroes tries to Max, Max Schroes can rebound. Max Schroes pushes the ball in transition, so he has a few other tools in his game that Duncan pretty much made Duncan Robinson obsolete. And it doesn't help that the Miami Heat are like a bottom five team at three point percentage right now. I think they're shooting like thirty three percent from three right now. Right. You literally, you literally paid Duncan Robinson to shoot the damn ball, and, and he, he's folding right now. And the only other, the one, the only other main topic I wanted to get on was Jimmy Butler hasn't been the healthiest in the beginning, uh, the beginning of this season. Jimmy Butler's missed a whole bunch of games. Um, he's had a, a few stretches where he, he's missing games. I don't even remember what exactly his injury was, but Jimmy Butler wasn't, hasn't been fully available this season so far. And he's the engine that makes things go. He's their best perimeter defender. He's their best scorer and he's their, he's their absolute leader next to Kyle Lowry. And I feel like, not having him on the floor, you definitely see where they hurt in certain situations. You definitely see where if a team goes on a run without uh, and they don't have Jimmy Butler playing, he he's not really there to get guys going. He's not really there to get on guys and get and, and get on their behinds and and let them know like, yo, guys, we gotta get back in this. We gotta go. So right. just not have on the floor consistently throughout the season has definitely hurt them as well. But all in all, I'm not worried about the Heat. I'm not worried about them. Hey. Like Corey said, Eric Spolstra. They'll have Bam Adebayo, Tyler Harrell coming off the bench, still putting up twenty points or twenty plus points a game. They have a good roster that's constructed. They still have that core team that was there back in twenty twenty when they played against the Lakers in, in the finals, 
and I think they I think they have enough to still make noise in the East. Well, before, um, we, before we go to the Johnny real quick, I'm glad you said Bam Adebayo, just because I have a little a little problem with Bam Adebayo. He is great defensively. He's always giving effort on defense, 110%. But sometimes I wish you would take that defensive aggression and translate it to offense sometimes. Thank you. Bam Adebayo you. Is, is a skilled offensive player, but some nights he'll go out there and he'll give you 24 and 15, and then the next night he might have four and six, where it's like if you, if he can just put in his mindset, I'm going to be aggressive, attack the basket, use my quickness, and get to the rim. If he had that mindset, Bam Adebayo, there's no reason why he wouldn't be a top five center in the league if you don't have him there already. And real quick, I, yep, I want to jump in on that Bam Adebayo thing, and that's my thing with him. And that's actually part of the point I was going to make. Um, I definitely agree. And you got him at 35 minutes a game. So for 35 minutes a game, that's obviously starting minutes. He is what he is. He deserves that. But for him not to produce those defensive numbers, about barely a block a game and about maybe a steal a game, but it, that's on the stat-wise. But as far as presence on the court, um, I feel like he could do more defensively. Um, He is a bit of rebounder that I did give him credit for, though. About, about almost nine, ten, ten boards a game, along with his about 21 points. I will agree with that. Tyler Hero does seem like he's starting to earn his money. I'm talking all offensively, obviously. Duncan Robinson shooting 30% from three. I will. I just want to piggyback on all the points you guys made, and I definitely agree with that. And that's that's ridiculous. Um, you paid him to be to be this 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 sharpshooter, and 30% for somebody of his caliber is absolutely horrible. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we had a segment earlier. And I, um, uh, in one of our older episodes, I spoke on the culture of the Heat. Eric Spolstra, underrated coach, um, that mindset and that culture that the Heat have established. And so with that being said, I also will piggyback on the, on the idea that I think they will be alright in the long run. They always seem to find a way. Mainly though, um, the Apple, the, the mentioned Jimmy Butler injury, that has, I, I personally believe that that right there, him not being available is a main reason why, why they're, Struggling defensively for the main part. Um, that actually explains the fact while they're, they're technically they're not that bad. They're twelfth in the league right now. I think they're uh, giving up 111 points per game. But the I mean for their culture for, for the Heat last year they were third. They were only giving up 107 points a game. So I guess for their standard they have dropped significantly from third to twelfth. And I think Jimmy Butler does is has a big has a big big has a big reason. He, he he's the reason for that. Um, they just played the Spurs this past Saturday. Young Spurs team, um, shot 53% against the Heat. They usually allow about 47%, um, which is already bad. That's about ranked about 19th, 20th in the NBA. Then they gave up 53% to the Spurs this past weekend. So, like I said, there are defensive holes that are missing, and Jimmy Butler is a big, um, reason for that. But ultimately, I do believe in the culture of the Heat. They should be alright in the long run. Okay. Uh, anyone got anything else before we move on to the last topic? I feel like that was a perfect way to wrap it up. All right, perfect way to wrap it up. So with that being said, we're going to move on to the final topic of discussion. Well, actually, technically semi-half, uh, because one that just popped in my head, I just want to throw it out there for you guys. But basically, we're going to move on to the last topic. We're going to talk about pretty much what player – so far this year has impressed so much during the NBA season. Granted, it's still very early, still December. All-Star weekend is in February, but what player who you think, in your opinion, should be making their case of being the first-time All-Star for this upcoming season? I want to swing it to Kyrie first. Who's your first-time All-Star? Who makes that jump and becomes an All-Star? I mean, the obvious number one answer is going to be Shea Gilgis Alexander, just because he's been on an absolute tear this season, putting up 31 a game, uh, helping his team win games, putting up clutch performances, getting his Wait, guys involved. You know what college he goes to? He's that, that boy with the BBN. I know college. Oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's definitely the number one choice. But I'm a, uh, my main choice, and I'm kind of mad at myself because last episode we talked about, uh, possible um most approved player of the year candidates and everybody we all even me included we all raved about Shea Gilders Alexander and his his jump from last season. But Anthony Simons for the Portland Trailblazers has blossomed right in front of our eyes guys. He went from putting up seventeen game 
17 points a game last season without Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum traded in the middle of the season to this point this season uh, still had, had one of, with a nice chunk of games without Dame who just came back. But um, he's been putting up 24 points a game, about four boards, four dimes, shooting efficiently. And uh, he just he, he just seems like he's grown so much as a player and as a leader from a, from a number one guy standpoint to whereas I can't see him not being an all-star this year. Um, play style-wise, he has everything you, you want and everything you imagine in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in an all-star. He's able to shoot from deep. He has the handles. He's explosive. He gets to the rim. And he plays he, – Plays with more of an edge that I've seen him play with in, in his first few years with the Blazers. He's definitely turned his aggression up. He's turned his confidence up. And, uh, yeah, I just had to shout out my boy Ant, man. He's been killing it this season. I love that, man. Great pick. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to go with a guy where Shay, I feel like Shay's obvious, so I'm not really going to speak on Shay. Um, but who I do want to talk about is Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, man, I've always been a fan of his since he first got drafted, uh, to the Kings, but he has the Pacers where I don't think anyone expected the Pacers to be bad, but at the same time, I don't think anyone expected the Pacers to be somewhat this kind of good. They're sitting at 500, 14 and 14, eighth in the, uh, in the conference, which would be, uh, well, I guess a play-in if you consider that a playoff spot. Um, but he has them top 20 in offensive rating and he has them top 10 in assists based off of him averaging about 11 on his own he's averaging 19 points he's averaging 11 assists five rebounds he leads them in scoring uh his presence is is felt on the court man he had that stretch where he was getting uh, well i think he was averaging 12 assists with no turnovers that is that 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 has never been done before man that's something the the greats haven't done so I feel like he deserves to be an all-star. Uh, I want to share flowers to him. But I have something that's a little different. I don't think he'll be an all-star. But an honorable, uh, honorable mention I have, uh, I think if he wasn't injured, he would have got it. My bias, my sixers bias is saying Tyrese Maxey. Um, this is a guy where he's taking a step every year of his career. This year, he's before injury, he's averaging 23 points. Uh, four rebounds, about five assists, shooting almost 60% uh, on true shooting percentage from the field. He's about 40% on threes. This guy can catch and shoot a three. He can create a three. He's a fearless finisher at the rim. You know, he complements James Harden and Joel Embiid really well. He can move off the ball. He can move with the ball. I feel like if it wasn't for injury, he'll be a first-time All-Star in the East. So that's an honorable mention I had next to Halliburton. Okay. Oh, me. All right. I actually like the choices. Tyrese Maxey, especially. I think, I think he'll somehow make the all-star team, maybe a reserve. That's what I genuinely believe, but depending on how long he's out for. Uh, uh, they expect him back before Christmas. Then that's good. He still has a chance to make the all-star team. He could make third team on NBA if he plays this consistently well heading into the playoffs as well. Johnny, did you give in your list or, or the, the, did I miss yours? No, I got you. I, you, know, you <laughs> I got you. I got you. See, I only got one guy. Um, and the, cr- the crazy part is, man, so much talent in the NBA. Man, darn all of y'all for taking my idea. Y'all, obviously, Shay, Tyrese Halliburton. Y'all heard me. See, Colin, you, you've got you. Tyrese, y'all heard me rave. So y'all heard me rave about him. I like you. Already, exactly. You've already heard Aaron me rave about him before. First team, first time off. No one made drop. Where'd the air? No one meant Fox. So I got to throw it in the air. Wow. All star. No one's quick, before, before we before we get the Fox. That's a name drop. I got another one for you. What? This is one, John. Like I'm just happy y'all didn't say this, but we got to give him his flowers, y'all. Anthony Edwards. It's about his time, right? Anthony Edwards. Um, I don't absolutely. know. I've been hearing a lot of out of weight stories with him. I don't know. Uh, really? It's, it's, I mean, I feel like it's gonna be. Hard. I feel like it's gonna be hard for Ant Man in that West. Yeah. All star rookie. First team all rookie. All star. Then he just stepped his production board. Like, what did he average last season? Twenty one <laughs> points, about five boards. Then, like, what is he? What is he doing? I like, I like him. You gotta give him his flowers at this point. Johnny I mean, Dick. obviously, if it wasn't for, I mean, obviously, if it wasn't for Ja and the obvious players, but I still feel like he held his own as far as one of those players to hit the ground running. 
You think it's gonna? It, it would be tough based off of the position, but I think he's got. I think he's held his water enough. I think he's held enough water to put his name in there. No, I agree with you, and I think that's a good pick. It's just like we said, those in that in that conference, those top guys is going to be hard to get it over them. Yeah, but I will say, I feel like a guy like like Lillard, he he's missed a, somewhat a lot of the season. We all know Lillard's going to be an All Star because of his name, but Lillard's a guy where. He, I can see him care, caring more about winning and his commitment to the Blazers where he won't even play in the All-Star game and Ant could replace him as a reserve. Ah, there you go. There you go. Oh, well, there you go. You got to give the, yeah. You also got to take into account that injuries happen every year. And since, yep. like, the past few, these past few All-Star games, we've, we've had, like, two or three guys reserve in for guys that were hurt. Yep. That's why I dropped Maxi as a, um, as a, uh, runner-up, because I can see him being a replacement for an injury. I like both of those. Actually, both the Tyrese. Oh, Maxie. Yeah, that was a good that was a good drop, too. I was like, you got to give it to him. But, you know, politics, fellas. I mean, but look, it, be that as it may, Anthony Edwards, 21 points a game, 43% from the field, about five boards. He, he, he's, he's part of that young group that you got to give their flowers to. All right. Absolutely. Gore, you want to add anything? No, man, that's about it for me. That's about it. All right. Wait, actually, this is the last topic I wanted to do before we, really let, before we really let it go. The NBA award just made some changes in terms oh. of the, the award changing in terms of its name. Uh, a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. Corey, let me get your thoughts. What's your thoughts about the name changes for the seasonal ending awards? In terms me personally? Of- I'm sorry to cut you off before you finish. Go Me ahead. personally, I hate it, bro. You hate it. <laughs> the, the reason why I hate it, bro, is I just feel like all change isn't good change, bro. Let right. let certain things stay how they are. Sometimes the original, the born, what seems dull is what actually works. And like for example, Michael Jordan. We all know he's in most people's eyes, he's the greatest of all time. If you don't have him one, he's two. If you don't have him two, he's one. No, no doubt about it. Michael Jordan's the GOAT, okay? But in terms of MVP, if you wanted to name it after someone, it would be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has the most MVPs of all time. Yeah, and me. then not to hate on the older the older generation or the older guys, mm. but naming an award after, like, John Havlicek, bro, there was <laughs> talks on ESPN a couple months ago of J.J. Wright calling him a plumber and saying he's not even lacing a pair of Chris Paul shoes. Chris Paul doesn't have an award named after him. Oh, uh George Mikan, bro, I'll be damned if I win an award and they call it the George Mikan Award, bro. <laughs> like, and I, I hate the designs of it. The MVP trophy, I hate it last year when they gave Jokic like a like a crystal ball. The 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 original MVP trophy design was the best design to me. And then you have oh, what they added? They call it the Clutch Player of the Year Award or something like Clutch that. Clutch Player of the Year Award. <laughs> they named it after Jerry West, who was one in eight in the finals. One and eight in the finals, but you're naming the clutch player award after that that guy. And right. I'm not a fan of the – they also announced, what, like a week or two ago, they're giving out an award for the best regular season team. When people talk about the bubble, they'd be like, you know, Mickey Mouse championship. Yeah. That's a Mickey Mouse trophy, bro. It's not about what you do <laughs> in the regular season. Sure, having the best record is an accomplishment because you're putting yourself in position to make a finals run because of home court advantage. Yeah, but yeah. it's not about the regular season, bro. It's about what you do in the playoffs. Me personally, I feel like if it's don't broke, don't fix it. And the trophy designs, bro, they look like shot glasses, bro. Every single design is the same. It looks like someone's just waiting to pour a, a shot of Henny or vodka or something, bro. I, I'm just not a fan of it. Okay, let let's look at the Kyrie. <laughs> let's look at the Kyrie. What's your thoughts on the tour, Jake? I'm not a big fan of it either. I'm a big traditionalist, especially when it comes to the NBA. Mm. I, 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 I'll, I'll quote Corey: "All, all change ain't good change." Like, I, yeah, I, I just really didn't like it. it I, I seen those are one of those notifications that you get. Like, I seen it today. It's just like why? It's like why? The only trophy that I seen because I, I didn't even want to dig that deep into it. The only trophy that I seen was the MVP award, which is Michael Jordan. And you just said that. No, I, where's the dribbling man? Like that's that's the, that's the MVP trophy in my eyes. Anytime I think of somebody winning the MVP trophy, it's bull dribble. 
And bro, I like the big hardware better. It's so small, bro. Uh, I'm, uh, yo, like, it, 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 I mean, the most I could think of, the most I could think of with this is like, I guess they're just trying to pay homage or whatever. I mean, whatever. Have the check. I, I have to. I've got to drop that name as well, and I got to piggyback that. He had like, I had to look this up. He had like four All Star appearances as a six man back in the sixties. So I guess that was like, that's a big thing back then. So I guess they're just paying homage. Not I guess pay. they pay him. And to be respectful, John Havlicek did pass this past. Uh, was it last this year or last year? Yeah, John Havlicek it was last year. Rest in rest in peace with the guy. You know, I'm not hating on the guy or anything, but in terms of basketball. Listen, I, I don't see how old dudes look at him and think greatness. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, look, at, at the end of the day, Colin, the, the silver, the silver, the silver line into this is Bill Russell wasn't touched. Like he's still the Finals MVP. Kobe, yeah, Bill Russell wasn't touched. Kobe, Kobe wasn't in, introduced in any award. That's crazy. I think Yo, Kobe can I know? The, yeah. I think Kobe got the All Star game. The Bro. game yeah, yeah, they Kobe. did name it the Kobe Bryant Award. Yeah. But I, I know they're not going to name an award after an uh, active player. But the idea to me, like Larry Bird, I have no problem with Larry Bird being the comp- the Eastern Conference Finals MVP trophy name. Mm-hmm. But I think of it, bro, where it's like, like I said, I know they won't give it to an active player. But LeBron James ran the East for nine, what, nine years, made the Conference oh, Finals yeah. nine years, made the Finals for you nine years. You got to wait 20 years to make that. Yeah, I know, I know you have to wait, but it's just like <laughs> – if there's anyone who deserves that award, LeBron James would have got it nine years in a row if that award was was around then. But it, I, I know you got to wait for it. But it's just some some ideas to me are just it's just don't no bro. Like don't you like I, at least in my mind when I seen that the MVP award was named after Michael Jordan, I thought to myself, ten fifteen years from now they'll be renamed after LeBron. Yep. Like. It's, it's, it's no real, like it, it was no real point in making all those changes. Like I, I honestly, I honestly didn't understand it. I didn't like it. It's like, sadly, twenty years from now, when we're old and we have children, guys like John Havlicek and they, they won't mean Forgot- nothing to that new generation. Sorry, <laughs> <bro. laughs> forgotten about. All right, well let let let's wrap it up. That concludes episode eighty one of the Restricted Zone podcast. I want to give a big shout out. Uh, the, to our, our guest, Corey, I think he'll be more active among this uh, podcast a lot more. Uh, he was really entertaining. I'm glad to have you. Hopefully, the fans enjoyed listening to you as much as we did. Uh, I, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I, I, I plan on being around more often if, if y'all don't mind having me. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a guarantee. The guarantee. A big shout-out uh, to my fellow co-host, uh, Kyrie and John. Hopefully, the fans enjoyed this much as much as we enjoyed recording this. Uh, definitely check us out on Instagram at Restrictors on Pod. You can follow us individually on our Instagram accounts in the description below. We are on, we are on all streaming platforms: Apple, Spotify, you name it. It's free. You don't got to pay a dime. Whether you're iPhone or Apple, I mean iPhone or Android, doesn't matter. <laughs> or Android, you can definitely check us out. Uh, enjoy the episode, share it, support us, and we'll be back with another episode. Thank you. <laughs>